You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello again, everybody. It's your boys, Chris, Dan, and Eric with another fun edition of The Nerd Table. Well, fun with an asterisk because I have no idea if we're going to have fun or if it's just going to get crazy. I can never tell. However, I actually have stuff prepared for this episode, which is a rarity. And maybe because it's the 75th episode, or maybe it's just because my mind is so fried this week from stress, from work, and antiquating cats, and socializing them, and, ah, brain explosion. Uh, Somebody else say something. Bounce it. Something. (laughs) Paul, say something stupid. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you're dealing with... uh government tax stuff because they're getting that stuff out to people now oh yeah this is great so (laughs) these people are calling and they're like hey uh here's my taxes and everything cool it's like uh is that gonna get filed by the 31st because isn't there like penalties for after that well there are but we're filing for the people who got us the stuff at the beginning of the month like they were supposed to so you're just gonna have to get in line and hope that we can move fast enough so yeah yeah. I got an uncle that's a CPA, and my aunt is essentially single for three months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Because how, uh, well, as you guys kind of know, I don't know, I, I don't really talk about the new job that much on the show, but I, I basically work in the trucking industry now. And one of the things that we do is we file quarterly fuel taxes. So at the end of December, we spend the... We get everybody's stuff from October to December, and then we spend January filing them. And depending on how organized these people are and how quickly they get us this stuff, we'll get them everything filed. They'll get their nice little refunds. Some of these people are getting fat refunds. Some of them owe money to the government. But the faster we get it filed, the the quicker it is and the easier it is for us to move on. And when you wait too long... Uh, you could potentially incur penalties. And what some of these people do is they give us their stuff on the 27th and are like, is this going to get done by the 31st? Well, maybe if we didn't have dozens and dozens and freaking literally hundreds of other clients that we're doing this for because we're doing them in the order that we get them in. That's how it works. And you're doing that for like everyone who is headquartered in that part of that state. It's not even that. We we service people all over the country. If they if they contact us and ask us to do it for them, we do it for them. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have people that are signed up in a program where they pay us a monthly fee and we do everything for them without asking them. So they don't have to worry about it. And those people get priority treatment. That's how it works. Because they have like a full overarching contract with you. Correct. Correct. And you know what? Dealing with all this stuff, I encourage it from everybody, not only because it's a sale for the company to get that monthly fee, but also 
Because it's just so much easier, and then you literally don't have to do anything except go drive your trucks and make money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we will literally keep you compliant. So, But if anybody out there listening to this program in the greater Pennsylvania area wants to get their CDL, I will put in a recommendation for you. And you can come to our driver training center and get your CDL. And yes, it costs money to get the license, but you can literally make all of that back within your first year of driving a big rig. Because the trucking industry is lucrative. So make that money, people. Make that money, money. Hey, speaking of making money, I like to, <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to our awesome patrons. Patreon.com slash Club Kayfabe, who continue to support us each and every month. And I have a special treat for them planned starting in March. Dan and I were talking about this. And Eric, even though you're not a big wrestling guy, you might want to get in on this. Because you don't have to be a wrestling guy to appreciate what we're going to be doing here. So, we are going to, using the WWE 2K22 video game coming out this March, which I have purchased on the Steam machine, we are going to start doing a weekly... Well, maybe maybe uh, maybe every other week. It really depends on when I can get the stuff recorded and we can do commentary and stuff for it. But we're going to start doing little streams and stuff and, and simulated matches. And we're going to let our patrons choose some of the content that we create for you guys. But it's not just going to be wrestling matches because community creations will create anybody and everything you could ever want. Oh, so- and the best part is they finally made it cross-platform yes so people the handful of people on xbox can finally get the good playstation ones yes and the pc people can get actual people (laughs) what are your what are your guys thoughts on cross-platforming for a lot of these a lot of these games because i see it as just a i I don't see any way for it to be a loss for anybody i see it as a complete win here's i agree with you to an extent if it becomes a an eSport, like a competitive eSport, people playing PC will always have an advantage because of how like how precise a mouse can be for like first-person shooters and stuff. Now, okay. if it's like a chess game, then it doesn't matter because it's all about the thought stuff, you know? But that's how I feel about that. Well, I think if it, it, it gets to like leagues and stuff, then there's going to be a standardized whatever. But, sure. Okay, I understand that. But this is just for community creations. This is just for people to share the content that they make. So if you want to download Batman onto your roster, you get this wonderful option to choose between all the different Batman that people have created. But it's not it's, – it's everybody who has the game. So anybody who has it on Xbox or PlayStation or Steam, you can get access to all of that stuff. And in the past, the best stuff was always on whichever platform had the most popular – purchase rate which and, was the 360 and then PlayStation and 4 and then PlayStation 4 right right and then for that that's fine like that's that's beautiful i think there's no downside to it the only like I, like i said the only time i i can physically see a downside is when it's something super competitive and i will agree with that i think that that's fair cuz like just as a prime example cuz we all play among us and we were playing that a ton ton of cross platform ways You know, I prefer to play it on my keyboard and mouse because that's how I got used to it. I like playing it on my computer, but we play with people who play on iPads, who play on their phones. 
uh, Nintendo Switch. We had a couple of people playing on their Nintendo Switch. Like, Hannah, I know Hannah was using either an iPad or an iPhone, and I know Miranda was using a Switch. And it worked out beautifully. There was no lag difference. The only lag difference we ever had was when our one friend was playing with us, and she was on crappy hotel Wi-Fi, so she was, like, in the walls. You would just see her running around in the walls. And we're like, well, this doesn't help. She's like, well, I was in this room. Like, I have to take your word for it because according to what I saw you, you were literally running in outer space. But other than that, I mean, the cross-platforming worked really well. So. But at the same time, Eric, and I think that this, this is also true too, there are some people who are insanely good with their controllers. And... For something like a first-person shooter, they would completely mess you up with that controller because that's what they're used to. So, yeah. So I mean, it's still skill over, you know, skill over anything. But if it comes down and skill is out of, like, if both people are on the same skill level, then precision, I think, uh, counts more. Okay. Tis, tis the truth, sir. Good sir, tis true. Yes, but for, but for this, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, I, I think it's that's basically where it all, uh, what it all boils down to. There. Uh, if we could just get Sony to agree to fucking crossplay, because I feel like everybody else is on board. But Sony's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, we own Spider Man. Like, okay, but like, nobody's playing that right now. <laughs> Well, it's funny because that used to be Nintendo was the one that had the biggest issue, and they finally started loosening up on that. Now that this, well, I mean, they're they're allowing it case by case, uh, is selling. So, like, yeah, like if you want to do like Fall Guys or Fortnite and stuff like that, it's all cross plat. But yeah, I think uh, the big thing with Nintendo was. They wanted to make sure that they can control the content that was being provided to the end user, and they can't do that with a lot of games because if somebody just starts like saying racist and sexist remarks, then they can't claim to be a like E for everybody game. You know what I mean? That's what the the, the ESRB has a special thing that says that they can't. They don't. Yeah, do and then ever since then they've been fine. Which is funny, too, because then they did release the Grand Theft Auto Collection. And you know that, like, San Andreas is filled with, at the very least, lots of N-words. So. Yeah. Again, it's case by case. But I think it's it's smart for the video game industry. So we've got quite a bit to talk about. Uh, I've got a movie review. You guys have a show review to discuss um but really quickly eric would you like to take this time to promote your new homebrew campaign that you have started yes i haven't come up with a a title for the world but um so far we've gotten six players um and four have met up on the first session zero um I'm actually super excited for it. I wanted to do a lot more that day. I'm not sure if you could tell, but like in my voice, I was just like, come on. I just wanted to jump in and play. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for it. And I I think we're going to be holding it on Saturday afternoons or Friday afternoons. I can't, like 
what, what day did we start that on? I think it was Saturday, wasn't it? It was Saturday. It was yesterday. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're uh, recording this on a Sunday, and it was literally less than twenty four hours ago. Yeah, I you know I have a puppy that's sick, and I'm tired, and I really haven't gotten a lot of sleep. Understandable, but I know you're excited. This dog is, it like weirds me out, man. Like, I'm not sure if like she accidentally ate something that she wasn't supposed to eat from like our food or if it's finally catching up with her from all the pieces of poop she likes to eat. (laughs) Uh, It's weird, right? Like, dogs can go outside, eat all the poop that they want and be completely fine. They come in and eat like an onion and they're fucking dead. Oh my god! Yeah, so how's that dog? How's that puppy working out for you, buddy? You love Happy him. Birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, me! Big mistakes were made. <laughs> but it's fine. I know, cause she, cause you love her. It's worth it. I just gotta keep telling my that, myself that until it becomes the truth. <laughs> it's worth it. Um. So yeah. So that's what we had planned there. Uh. So some of the fun stuff that we were going to do with the the game streams, because like I said, I, wa- I want to do matches that have nothing to do with wrestling as well, because people create all kinds of fun stuff on there. So I was going to I was going to actually do a, a whole show of Marvel versus DC matches because superhero characters are super easy to come up with. And you're going to find tons of them in the community creations. So if you ever wanted to see Batman throw down with Deadpool, I can make that happen. Or whatever combination of superheroes that you want. Or you can do Han Solo versus Indiana Jones. James Bond versus Austin Powers. Or just Eric. Versus anybody or just me. <laughs> or we can make an Eric and just have him face the world. Like Scott Pilgrim, it's Eric versus the world. So we got we got some we got some fun stuff planned for for game streams here, uh, and we've got a homebrew campaign that Eric is working on. Now, as of right now, we have a decent amount of players. We have enough to do it. But if you this is something you might be interested in. You should probably say your piece now, and so we can get you in- integrated, because we're going to start this shit, and we're also discussing possibly streaming it, because D&D streams get some views, and you're either, you're either in or you're out at this point. And I'm not sure if Dan has noticed, but I set it up in a way where it is a central hub, so anybody who, like, for instance, one day... I don't, I'm, I don't have an idea or I'm not ready, not prepared, and somebody wants to DM their own mini campaign or spinoff or something, you already got a hub. Yes. And that's that, which connected is, to every outlet. Which I thought was a brilliant way of doing it. Because for someone yeah. like me, who's the, the, the newbier player with D&D, I understood what was happening and was able to follow along. So there you go. So whatever y'all want out there, you let me know. Let us know. 
So let's go ahead and kick things off with my first movie review. <laughs> this is a project that I was going to do. I'm going to watch the highest grossing movie of every year since I have existed on this planet. So we're starting with 1984. And there were two movies here. There was the highest grossing film stateside and the highest grossing film worldwide. I watched the stateside film called Beverly Hills Cop. Who has seen Beverly Hills Cop? Who hasn't seen Beverly Hills Not Cop? since the 1900s. <laughs> okay. Well, if you've never seen this movie that is as old as I am. It's probably older because you were born in November. <laughs> probably is. You are correct. It is definitely older than me. Uh, if for some reason these old movies contain a spoiler that you don't want... I would recommend not listening to the movie review, but I'm going to spoil them. Oh, no. You are older. It released December 5th nationally. Well, fantastic. All right. <laughs> All right, Beverly Hills Cop, you baby. <laughs> Which is funny because my due date was December <laughs> December 19th or something, or December 12th. Or it, was, it was more closer to you. Than where I was supposed to be. But I came five weeks early and I was just yeah, like I too was five, six weeks early. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was an early baby. I was a Christmas making baby, so I was I was <laughs> on time. <laughs> See, Eric, I would have believed you would have been early. Cause you're always really early. Earlier than I want you to be. Well, yeah, that, according to the time of day, I I, I see that. <laughs> but that's fine. Although you've also been the one that we've waited on for game nights, too. I like to be fashionably late. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's uh, in the grand scheme of, of synonyms, fashionably is the same as very. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So, if you've never seen Beverly Hills Cop, here's what happens in the movie. It follows the story of a character named Axel Foley, played by our main man, Eddie Murphy. Who is... This is a... This is a really good Eddie Murphy movie. Like, because if, if I say Eddie Murphy movie, I think most people understand what I'm saying, right? Well... We talk in... 80s or 90s. <laughs> that's the that's the delineation, right? True. This is an 80s Eddie Murphy movie. He's a fast-talking cop from Detroit. It starts off... You know, that's Eddie Murphy at his prime, too. Yes. Best part is that, at the beginning, you don't even realize that he's a cop. Because there's a, a truck with a crap ton of cigarettes in it. And he's try- he's sweet talking these guys into uh, getting the cigarettes. You know, ah, oh, they got a uh, supposed to be five thousand. This looks like two thousand. All right, uh, well, quit your quit jerking me off and get me the rest of the money. I'll tell you what. Tell you what. I'll make you a deal. Okay. Uh, I'll, you, you keep the two, and we'll get you on the next shipment. Wait, you think I'm some kind of moron? But the whole time he's sweet talking them, the cops are moving in, and of course we get a really cool. 
car chase with the truck driving through the city, just crashing into everything, taking out cars, lots and lots of car action. And of course, when they stop it and they pull their guns on him, they're just like, God damn it, Foley, because they realize that he's a cop and he was conducting a sting operation with no one's authority. So now, so now he's in trouble. And his boss is pissed off. Inspector Todd. Gilbert R. Hill plays Inspector Todd. And he's like, if you keep doing this stuff, we're going to fire you. And we're going to bring you up on all these charges that you have here. Because this is some bullshit. So, Axel goes home and discovers his best friend has broken into his apartment. And that's Mikey Tandino. Played by James Russo. And he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm fresh from this job that I just conducted out there in uh, Beverly Hills. And I'm working for our friend, Jenny Summers. You remember Jenny, right? Like, he's like, check this out. I got these bearer bonds that I borrowed from my employees. They're Deutschmarks. Unmarked Deutschmarks. For people not in the know, before the euro became a currency used throughout the entire continent, these different nations had their own versions of currency. And Deutschmarks were German. If you don't know that Deutschland is literally German for Germany. Who did not know. But... Yes. So Deutschmark is quite literally German currency. So of course, uh, Axel's a little concerned about this, but he's like, oh no, it's fine. We're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna drink. So they go out, they're having a good time, the drinks are going down, his buddy Fails to hustle someone at pool. 50 bucks says you don't make that shot. Make it 100. And then, of course, he makes the shot. and He's got to pay up. And they get really fucking drunk to the point where he, he physically can't stand. Like, Eddie Murphy has to take his buddy and physically stand him still so he can open up the door to his apartment because he can't stand on his own. He's like, All right, I'm going to balance you. I'm going to let go. I'm going to balance you. And I'm going to open the door. And, of course, the the key thing with Axel Foley is he's got a goofy laugh. He's got a <laughs> type laugh. You know, in the grand scheme of, of goofy laughs, you know, you've got Ellis Holmes. You've got Axel Foley. All kinds of characters out there. you got Tony Atlas. There's all kinds of fun laughs. <laughs> It's the Abe Ham Washington show. I'm sorry, can you say I that like, again? And I like feet. Yeah, what the f- I don't know what the hell these people are on. Uh, yeah, well, I know a Tony Atlas story that's not for air. <laughs> no, fuck it, it's for air. Well, you gotta share it. Oh, no, it's for air. Uh, I, I just won't say who he told the story to. I won't blow their spot. But he's like, all right, they told me. I said I'd, I, I said I'll go down on you, but you can't finish in my mouth. And he finished in my mouth anyway. But he's not gay. He just d- did this as a favor. So yeah, make with that what you will. <laughs> I just confused so many of the listeners. <sighs> Dude, wrestling stories are ridiculous, and none of them are made up. That's the sad part. Well, there's lots of shit in wrestling that's made up and exaggerated, but. Why would I want to tell any of those stories when the truth is the best shit? 
Because you can't make up some of that shit. Don't trust anything that happened in Rio, okay? Yeah. I don't understand why anybody in professional wrestling makes up stories. You don't have to make up anything. Just tell what actually happened because you can't make up anything better than what actually happened. That's my favorite thing about wrestling yeah, stories. Greg Yanya. Vince McMahon is racing one of the the writers down an open Court highway. Bauer. Court Bauer, yeah. And they were heading for road construction, so Vince boxed him in, so his only choice was to slam on the brakes or get into an accident. And then Vince sped off laughing maniacally because he won the race. <laughs> that is a true story. Always circles back to Vince somehow. Yeah, well, that's the way it is. So Vince McMahon's in this movie. <laughs> is he? <laughs> no, but yeah, but yes, also yes. <laughs> so when they're trying to get into the apartment, these two these two guys pop out and beat the shit out of Mikey. And they're like, Mikey, we we want to get you out of this town. You know, you we don't want to see you ever again. Clearly, Mikey's done some shady shit. By the way, the main thug that attacks him, his name is Zach, and he's played by Jonathan Banks. Mm-hmm. Who, if any of you out there are fans of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, he's Mike Ehrmantraut. One of the best characters on the show. He's a really good character actor, and he's always popping up in other sitcoms. Parks and Rec, Modern Family. All of a sudden, there's Jonathan Banks, and I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention now. Usually just for that one episode, but they get him in there. He does his thing. And I always, always appreciated that. And he always played somebody's, like, either shitty father or, like, shitty brother or something. Like, he's Ben Wyatt's dad, and then he's uh, Jay Pritchett's brother. <laughs> and he's always hysterical. But yet he's like, he plays that tough thug type character. So Mikey gets shot in the back of the head. It's a, it's a hit, basically. And Axel was knocked out. So while he's out there, well, the inspector's investigating and everything, you know, he's out there nursing the wound on his head and he keeps trying to, to stick out and, and say his piece and the inspector won't let him. And finally he's like, you know what? I got vacation time coming up. How about I just go on vacation? And he's like, all right, Axel. But if I find out that you're involved with this case, it's going to be the longest vacation you ever had. That means he's going to fire him. Oh, see, I was confused. <laughs> so, yes. Because <clears throat> you get... So, yeah, so Mikey's been killed, and Axel basically wants to figure out what's going on. So what the whole basic plot of the movie starts here is he goes to Beverly Hills, which is where this the, Mikey was working for this guy or working for whoever... And he totally works the case himself. He works the case entirely himself. And it's it's the brilliance of how he does it with actual with a bit of comedy involved too. The movie's not as comedic as you would think it would be with Eddie Murphy. It's it does favor more on the action than the comedy, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Cause it's got some funny stuff, but most of the funny stuff is it's not it's not like it's full of of funny one-liners or slapstick or whatever. A lot of it is just Eddie Murphy's tactics, like all the ways that he goes about getting information he needs to go about and the way he literally bullshits his way through the case. Uh spoiler alert, he solves the case. 
But yeah, it's it's the bullshit way that he goes through it, which is hysterical. So he's in his crappy blue Chevy Nova. That should have been nominated for our cars tournament in my Facebook group. <laughs> the crappy Chevy Nova is like popular in a lot of fucking movies and TV shows. Bossa yeah. Nova. But I just love that he he constantly calls it his crappy blue Chevy Nova. We're just like, remember last time I saw you, you were driving a crappy blue Chevy Nova. What are you driving now? Uh, same car. Like, that was funny. So the first thing he does is he masquerades as a reporter for a magazine. That He's, he's there to interview Michael Jackson. So he cons his way into getting a suite at this high-end hotel, but he gets it for the single room rate. So that's like his first con job that he does. So he meets up with his old friend Jenny. This is uh, Lisa Eilbacher. Eilbacher? How do you pronounce that name? Eilbacher? Not really sure, but that's who played... I don't know how to pronounce her last name properly. I don't know how to pronounce a lot of things properly, but that's not the point. There, there's ones you know, you fully know, and you still get wrong. So. Yeah, I know. Well, I get tongue twisted a lot too, so... <clears throat> um yeah so he's he's talking to her and he's just he's like yeah I'm, I'm here because of mikey she's like well how's mikey doing well he's dead and he so they're he's basically trying to figure out what's going on here they both work for some international art dealer he's british born but he sounds quite german his name is victor maitland played by stephen burkoff so, of course, the first thing Axel does is he goes and finagles his way into the office. And he just, like, he, he shows up as a flower delivery man. And he's just like, hey, I got a delivery here for Victor Maitland. Oh, sure, you can leave that with me. Well, no, this is my job, and it's important to me, so I need to deliver it myself. And he just goes and does it. And before he can ask him any questions, Maitland has six of his bodyguards throw him out. And when I say throw him out, I mean literally because they throw him through a glass pane window. And then outside on the ground, the cops show up and arrest him. And he's like, you're going to arrest me for getting thrown through a fucking window? <laughs> yes, they are. So, because they find he's got a gun. He's disturbing the peace. Then, of course, as they're driving him back, they go, this is a nice police car. Most of the police cars I'm in are dirty, but you guys keep this nice. And so it's all, it's all that classic Eddie Murphy humor, right? Is he's either being suave or he's bullshitting. And that's where all the movie's comedy comes from. Uh, so of it's course, fish out of water, right? Because he's a gritty Detroit cop where shit's happening all the time. And now he's in hoity-toity Beverly Hills. Right. They do everything by the book, which is exactly what they tell him here. So there's Sergeant John Taggart, which is John Ashton's character, and Detective Billy Rosewood, which is Judge Reinhold's character. My name is Judge. Judge Reinhold and John Ashton. Good combination here, too. So, of course, they're taking him. They, they've got a bunch of issues here. They're, they're interrogating him. He's being a smartass. So they punch him. And then here comes the lieutenant. This is Ronnie Cox's character. And he makes them – he basically makes them apologize for punching him. And he's like, we're going to see you back to your hotel. You're going to pack up. We're going to escort you out of town. And then we're going to give you your gun back. Oh, by the way, do you know an Inspector Todd back in Detroit? Yeah, he says you're a good cop, but uh, if he finds out that you're investigating this this crime, uh, don't bother going back to Detroit. 
Which, in hindsight, is probably a better option, considering I know Detroit, and it's not really great. <laughs> the I whole, this was Detroit 30 years ago. Dude, the whole opening scene of the movie is how dilapidated Detroit is. It's a montage of how shitty Detroit is. It's like... Just, like, broken down houses with shattered windows that are completely dilapidated. And then, like, these little kids just walking walking around because it's where they live. Like, that's the whole opening of the movie. And this was 40 years ago. <laughs> I'm not that old, goddammit, Dan. 37 years ago. Shut up. <laughs> We're not... <laughs> goddammit. Not there yet, damn it. <sighs> but I'm getting closer, so... Anyway, Jenny bails him out, takes him back to the hotel, and they're being tailed. Because he figures this out immediately if the cops are following him. So he's like, yep, they're following me. She's like, how can you even tell? He's like, trust me, I know. So when they drop him off at the hotel, they, of course, park across the street. So he immediately orders room service to be brought out to their car. So he's like, yeah, get him, get him a nice shrimp sandwich and all this other stuff. Like he give, he orders like the nicest stuff on the menu. So while the waiter is bringing them their food, he sweet talks one of the, one of the staff workers into giving him a couple of bananas, which this is actually kind of neat how they did this. The, uh, the staff person he's talking to is another black man. So you can tell he wants to help out this guy. He's like, well, you know, I can give you the whole bu- the whole fruit platter for this much. He goes, nah, I just need three bananas, please. And the guy just gives him the bananas and kind of winks at him, you know, does like the shh, like don't tell anybody. So while they're being served this, this wonderful food in the car, he sticks the bananas in their tailpipe. So when he takes off from the hotel and they go to follow him, the car just stalls because there's bananas in the tailpipe. Classic. That is, actually. It's pretty funny. So, of course, they sneak into one of the warehouses and discover that, yep, there are these uh, these bearer bonds, these Deutschmarks, being recovered from a crate, and there's coffee grounds all over the place. Now, you can either think back to the movie to answer this, or maybe you just know this because this is actually a, was a common a criminal tactic, but why would coffee grounds be significant in a case like this? Because they can't sniff the cocaine that's being hidden underneath it. Very good, Eric. Which movie did you take that from? And don't... God, I'm gonna oh, sn- uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, of course. I'm not editing this episode, so... <laughs> whatever, ha- whatever happens, happens. <laughs> no, that actually is a common thing. That That was a common tactic, was surround it with coffee beans... You fool the drug-sniffing dogs because they can't smell the cocaine because the coffee bean smell is overpowering. So he's basically got a lot of evidence going on here. So he's like, so what are we going to do now? Well, here's a security guard in this warehouse. So now he bullshits himself as a customs agent. <laughs> so he's just like, he's like, you the security guard? Can I get a match? And then he brings out the supervisor and he starts berating him. I'm from customs, all this stuff, none of this stuff's gone through the proper procedure, and your security guard sucks, because he was about to give me a match. Were you about to give him a match? Uh, 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 like, it's such brilliant bullshitting that this is how he gets the job done. 
But th- that's like a common movie trope too, right? Is like the cop is right and his tactics are unorthodox, but they they're necessary to get the case. That's the like the classic cop that's a loose cannon. Yeah, plays by his own rules, but he's also right. That's the thing. He's also right. So of course. He sees when he gets back to the hotel that, uh, yep, they're still here waiting for him. Oh, I didn't even, I forgot when he's doing the custom thing, he's berating him and he's just like, that's a nice Porsche outside. Is that yours, little man? And he like berates one of the guys because he questions him, basically saying all the shit's going to happen to his Porsche. And then finally the guy's like, uh, no, sir, that's not my Porsche. And goes right back to work. So yeah, they're still waiting for him. So he just sneaks into the car. He's just like he's just like, look, guys. How about I take you somewhere classy for your trouble, huh? Let's call it truce. I'll take you somewhere classy. So he takes him to a strip a strip club. So he's sitting there bouncing back and forth, and he realizes two guys come in to case the joint. So he's just like, you guys notice something about that guy? He's got a trench coat on. A little too hot in June to be wearing a trench coat, right? They're gonna rob this place. And sure enough, he's right, because they pull out shotguns, and he successfully stops them. So, like, that causes respect between them, but now it's causing issues with their superiors. The best part is, he tells this brilliant lie about how the cops, that would have absolved the cops from any kind of issue. He tells a brilliant lie, and then they just go ahead and tell the truth, and he goes, You know, you guys are really good, honest people, but just so you know... My bullshit was working, and you rough fucked it up. Because <laughs> it was. They, they were buying the story, but they wouldn't go for it. So sure enough, you know, they're just like, well, we're, we're really thankful, but we're kind of fed up with all this other stuff. So you two are off the case, and we're going to put two other detectives on here to tell you guys. And then he gets a... Uh, a gentle, yeah, that was like his general reprimand. The lie was working. So now he's got Foster and McCabe on his tail. This is Art Kimbrough and Joel Bailey following him now. And they find out that he's just loitering outside Maitland's mansion, just hanging out at the gate. And they're like, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm here on a picnic. Check it out. I got some sandwiches and I got some beer in the trunk. They're like, this looks like you're on a stakeout. Nah, nah, it's a picnic. And as soon as the car pulls out, he goes, well, time for me to get going, and just hops in the car and starts following him, and they're just like, son of a bitch. Now they gotta follow him, too. And he gets the cops off his tail, because while they're parked at a red light, the light turns green, Maitland's car goes through, Foley just sits there, and as soon as the light turns yellow, he floors it through the light. The cops attempt to give way, but by then the other side has turned green, and they get cut off completely. And he does his goofy laugh the whole way through. So he follows them to this nice little club. And this is my favorite con that he does. He goes up to the maitre d'. He's like, excuse me, can I talk to Mr. Maitland? He's like, well, I'll give him a message for you. Okay, well, you tell him that uh, that Ronnie, the the nice gentleman he met the other night, uh, he just tested positive for herpes simtac C. And perhaps he should get himself tested, you know? And the maitre d's like, uh... Yeah, maybe you should just tell him that yourself. Oh, oh, thank you very much. Maybe I will. 
So that was my, I was, I was belly laughing out loud, that scene. So, of course, he confronts him. He uh, sends Zack into the buffet, so he's covered with crap all over his suit and everything. And he's like, ah, you must be very clever to, to find me here. He's like, I just want to talk. Just want to talk about Mikey. And he gives him a nice little threat right to his face. You know, I don't know who you think I am, but if you're going to keep messing around here, we're going to have issues. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know he's the bad guy. He's not outright saying it, but the way he's saying things are just like, makes him super sus. Of course, the cops pull him out of there. And he's just like, all right, I demand answers. He's just like, well, he goes, no, 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 no. I want you to tell me what you know right now. Because now, the cops are actually on his side because they realize he's on to something. So he tells them everything. Maitland's trafficking drugs. Thanks to those coffee grounds, he knows there's cocaine in there. And he's just like, all right, well, what else you got? And then here comes the police chief. Played by Stephen Elliott. He's just like, let me guess. You're one of those cops who thinks you're a hotshot. Big time where you are, where you come from. And now you're messing around in my jurisdiction. So basically, he's like, I want this guy out of this town right now. Escort him out of town. And the rest of you are basically, you know, go do your other shit. So young Rosewood is sending him out of there and he's manages to sweet talk him into bringing him to get another shipment. He's just like, God damn it. I was ordered to take you out of town and now I can't even do that properly. Just this Eddie Murphy sweet talk is working again. So he takes him over to the warehouse and they discover exactly what he was talking about. Uh, Maitland confronts poor Jenny now, how do you know this guy? She's just like, oh, you know, childhood friend. He's like, oh, well, it's a real shame that we have to deal with him here. But uh, we'll go out to dinner soon. So, of course, she tags along. So Rosewood stays outside. The two of them sneak into the warehouse. And, of course, they get caught. They find the evidence they need. They find the cocaine, but then they get caught. So she gets taken away in a, one of the marked cars. And they start beating the shit out of Axel. Rosewood's had enough and he goes in there. And when he sees that these that they're beating him up, he shoots and kills one of the thugs. They beat up the other ones. And they finally get the hell out of there. Now, of course, Zack has admitted at this point that he killed Mikey. So he's got all the evidence that he needs here. Now comes the action sequence. Because, of course, we got it. We, we can't end this. It's a cop movie. We got to have an action sequence to end the movie, right? Obviously. Or a chase it? scene. That's or a chase scene. Yes. Uh, this one's a gun action sequence. They, they break into the mansion. Uh, the cops are going along with it. And, of course, they're realizing what's happening back at headquarters where they're like, where is that officer's car at? It's been stationary at this address. Who lives there? Victor Maitland. And he's just like, son of a bitch. Like that, <laughs> that look on his face. Just son of a bitch. Send everybody you got there. And he's like, we got to break in there. We can get a search warrant. He goes, they're going to kill her if, if, 
if they latch on to this, so we got to get in there and do this now. So it becomes handgun versus machine guns. And of course, Maitland gets killed. Jenny is saved. Axel gets shot, but he survives it. And then here comes the the chief demanding answers. And <laughs> the sergeant makes up a whole bunch of bullshit right on the spot. That sounds plausible. And he turns to the other cop and goes, what really happened here? And he just smiles and goes, exactly what he told you. Well, I suppose <laughs> congratulations are in order then. Axel was just an observer. <clears throat> and he's just like, listen, if I lose my job in Detroit, maybe I'll, uh, I'll work out here as a, as a private detective. You know, I, I kind of like it here. <laughs> so the cops actually take care of his hotel bill for him. By the way, the the robes in the hotel that he's so in love with, he actually purchases two of them to give to the two cops as, as a parting gift. And the one cop's like, nah, I can't accept this. He goes, you keep it. He goes, I already got three of these in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, he's just like, Hey, come on. Uh, let's go. Let's go have a drink, huh? And we're going to go to the perfect place. You guys will love it. Trust me. And that's how the movie ends. So my review of Beverly Hills Cup. <clears throat> I think it's a fun movie. I think it's worth a watch. Uh, if you're not an Eddie Murphy fan, like if he's if he's a comedian you don't like, I would say don't watch this movie. Because a lot of the movie's humor and charm comes from Eddie Murphy. It's a it's a decent cop movie. It's you know it's it's nothing absolutely blockbuster or or super groundbreaking or anything, but it's fun. It's a fun ride. It's got some good humor and some good action. They mix quite well, and it's got a, it's got a decent story that gets unraveled along the way. And yes, it's predictable, but it's also 1984. So you're there for the ride. You know, you, yes, you know what's going to happen, but you you're not sure how they're going to get there. Like it's very it's very obvious this guy's guilty, but how are we going to get there? Is the point. So uh, and and the music. Oh, the music. yes, yes. So let's let's quickly talk about the uh, the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cop. Because, holy shit. Alright, again. This is one of those things, right? It's a, it's a product of its time. But this is a super 1984 soundtrack. Uh, the main theme that comes out of Beverly Hills is Axel F. The song was written by Harold Faltermeyer. He's a German musician. But Axel F. was brought into popularity by Crazy Frog. Which is unfortunate, because that's not even the best... <clears throat> brought back. Like brought back, yes. Bing, bing! But the... Uh, <clears throat> there is There are quite a few good, good songs that they play during the movie that I think people would really, really enjoy. Uh, new yeah, attitude by yeah. Patti LaBelle, Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters, 
the Vanity Six song Nasty Girl plays very prominently during the strip club scene, but is not actually on the soundtrack, but you'll hear it. The Heat is On by Glenn Frey is a big one. So yeah, uh, it's very, very, it really is a very entertaining soundtrack on top of being an entertaining movie. So uh, this one gets a recommendation from me. However, like I said, if if Eddie Murphy is not your guy, then don't bother with it because you're not going to like the movie. Because you have to like Eddie Murphy to like this movie. All right. So that was my review. I hundred percent agree with that last statement, but I'm biased towards Eddie Murphy, so I'll just stay quiet. There you go. <clears throat> All Fuck right, you Eddie. Fuck you. <laughs> That's one of the, one of his things. Is like I go to these other countries, and the only thing they know in English is to, to tell me "fuck you." <laughs> like, oh, it's the guy that says "fuck you." All right. Well, you know what? It's like they say. If you don't like me, get tested, because one of the symptoms of COVID is no taste. Oh, shit. (laughs) Damn. God damn. All right, gentlemen, I believe you two both watched a new TV show that dropped this week that you'd like to talk about. First three episodes. First three episodes released on uh, Amazon Prime. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. We're talking about the adventures of Vox Machina. The critical role cartoon show based on the first first uh, games they did. Now this Fantastic. is they're all playing the voices of their own characters, right? Yes, they're all their own characters. That's yes. awesome. I love that. The thing is Except the DM that. gets to only be a couple people because yeah. you can't be literally everybody else in the world. On a cartoon show. <laughs> that gets distracting. But they get David Tennant? Yeah, it was cool to get David Tennant, and then I remembered his character is in an adventure that happened before they had the this, this stream, and thus he's only in the first two episodes. <laughs> and you're like, ah, I, I want more David Tennant. <laughs> It's so sad. But it's going great. First two episodes are they're hired to take care of some kind of beast that's destroying all the nearby farms. And they take care of that in the second episode. And in the third episode, they start the, the major arc of their first uh, campaign, which is the Briarwood arc. Which I, first off, let's talk about the animation, because the animation's great. I didn't know how I was going to feel about it, uh, but they went more with, like, a anime aesthetic. They, it's, it, like it, a, uh, it's like an American anime, kind of like Avatar The Last Airbender, right? Yes. I'd, I'd be down with that. Yeah, Titmouse is the company that did the animation. Titmouse! That's Titmouse. Um... Looks great. I don't want to go in any spoiler territory, but, you know. But, oh, man. And so, like, the third episode is they start that arc, 
So that's when there's scenes and direct lines from the RPG show are in the episode. And I'm like, and this is when he does this, and this is when he says this, and then you wait for it, and then it happens. It's like when you when you finally got into Harry Potter, and then you watch those last few movies that you've caught on now, and you're waiting for specific scenes to happen. <laughs> remember that? Oh, I remember that. I'm looking when at you're the... waiting for Mrs. Weasley to take care of the bogger, and then they didn't do that scene at all. <laughs> and you get pissed because it's like your favorite scene in all Harry Potter. And you think it's very important? Well, you do a whole episode on shit they cut out of Harry Potter that they should have left in. Important. So, so I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the voice cast now. Oh, it's a, nuts! As who who's either in it or is gonna gonna be in it, and there's a lot of good character actors in here too, like Stephen Root. But I'm also noticing that Dominic Monaghan is in it. And so is Rory McCann. So we've got the Hound, and you've got Mary. And you've got the Doctor. And you have Stephen Root, who I can't even give you one Stephen Root character, because there's been so many that you could mention. When they announced the the voice cast for this, I I was in shock. I'm like, really? Yeah. They put out like a 10-minute video a week a week ago. And it's like, holy crap. There's Milton. There's Gordon. There's Bill. <laughs> Bill Dotrieb? There's the guy that runs the water stall. <laughs> uh, Steven Root has the same birthday as me. Oh, really? He's a November 17th-er. But obviously born, like, 30 years before you. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, but he's been he's been in so much stuff. He's a good character actor. He's a... He, he, he makes an appearance on The Big Bang Theory where Penny gets a job that she is absolutely not qualified for because this guy is oh, terrified of Bernadette. That. Yes. <laughs> I remember seeing like the one where there's like the Christmas party, and they find out that every they find out that everyone's scared of Bernadette. Yeah, they they both approach him at the bar, and he immediately downs his drink before he turns around to talk to Bernadette. She's like, "You guys think I'm some kind of monster?" He's like, "But you're a cute one, you know, like that eyeball guy in Monsters Inc." <laughs> Stephen Root's funny though. Because the best part is, Penny, Penny's literally walking out of the interview. She's like, I'm so sorry I wasted your time. Because she just blew it that badly. And then she goes, can you do me a favor, though? Please don't tell Bernadette how badly I blew it. I'm kind of afraid of her. He goes, you're scared of Bernadette? I thought it was just me! And then they just start telling all these stories. Like, one time, I had to uh, tell her that we were dropping the funding for a project she was working on. What happened? I didn't tell her. We're still funding it. <laughs> the best part is they're they're having a conversation he's just like all right so listen bernadette uh the office is going to stop paying for the coffee okay when does that start six months ago well, who's been paying for my coffee all of us how well 
We have a jar that we put in every single time you swear. <laughs> so we've been using that to pay for your coffee every day. And they're just like, what else don't I know about? Well, you know your private bathroom? That was supposed to be for the whole floor. And they're just like, but it's okay. All that really did was affect wheelchair Kathy, and she's back in the hospital now. So it all worked out. And Bernadette's like, I can't believe how mean I am. And Penny goes, I can't believe you named her wheelchair Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Uh, Steven Root's so funny, though. Yeah, good voice cast on here. Okay, so here's a question. For someone like me who doesn't watch Critical Role and doesn't know who any of these characters are, would I still find... No, enjoy- you don't need to know anything. Okay. You'd purposely, yeah. The first two episodes are purposely set up in a way that you get to know them. Okay, so that's cool. So it's one of those deals where you guys are going to appreciate it because you know the in-jokes and everything, and you know what they're referencing, but... Somebody can just come in and be like, oh, this is a fun D&D style show. I will enjoy this. Yes, it is a complete story. Okay, good. Then I will give this a try. Yeah, it's a 20, 25 minute cartoon, so. Well, I, the first three episodes done in about an hour. Well, I was specifically waiting to hear what you guys thought of it before I considered it, because if it was like garbage, and you're oh, just no, like. Oh, no, man. We. We knew it was going to be good. They announced that they were going to be working on this, like, what, two years now? Uh, 2019 was the Kickstarter. Yeah. So we were kind of just, like, waiting for it to happen. And Amazon go. was the only company that gave them the light of day. Yeah. And it's just like, we, we broke the record for the, the most backed Kickstarter in the history of the world. We beat the resurgence of MST3K. Damn. And only one media company took even a shot at hosting it. Damn. Awesome. Uh, real quick, I just want to point this out. There is a potential major winter storm event taking place this week. Now, I'm looking at both models here. There's a Euro and a GFS model. Uh, Eric will be getting something no matter what happens, <laughs> apparently. But here's the thing, Eric. You could be getting 1 to 3 inches or 12 to 18 inches, depending on which model comes true. (laughs) So, you have fun with that, buddy. And it looks like the line is just enough to not touch either of us, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. If it's the Euro model... I could be looking at 12 to 18 inches of snow. If it's the GFS model, I could be looking at nothing. Now, the difference between me and Eric is I want the snow and Eric doesn't. So we want to both hope for the Euro model because the Euro model has me getting hammered and Eric getting little. The GFS model has Eric getting hammered and me getting nothing. So let's go Euro model. Yeah, I'm just getting the, the, the rain in front of it. And then by the time it goes past, it's just rain again. So I'm just gonna have a rainy few days. Well, screw you too. But now I, I this is what I want. In the south, this is what I want. I want I want a big snow event. So I still remember the 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 '92 uh, blizzard. So I'm okay. <laughs> so I was. Um, Even though that shit was 30 years ago. So I actually looked this up. Uh, just recently, Dan, because I didn't realize this, but because uh, 
a uh, a friend of ours moved to New York recently. Uh, Shannon's best friend moved up there to live closer to her sister. Oh yeah, I remember that we during the ten minutes of which my internet worked during that podcast that she grew up relatively near where I grew up. Yes. Um, she now obviously I'm not gonna like give out her full address or anything because I'm not an ass. But she lives in Liverpool, which I assume yeah. you know exactly where that is. Yes. Well. That's where Pat lives. <laughs> well, being the person that I am, because anytime I've collected a lot of addresses because we're, we've, we've got some stuff planned for the future that I might need to send invitations to. Every time I get somebody's address, I immediately look it up on Google. And I do the street view and I try to stalk their house. I do that with a lot of people. I've stalked all your houses, by the way. Like Liverpool is a nice section of the Syracuse suburban area. What I didn't realize was it's only a little over a four-hour drive from me. Which is not bad at all. Yeah, no. Yeah, pretty much anywhere in Pennsylvania to central New York isn't too bad. Like, you wouldn't want to go there on a day trip, but a weekend? Easy. Right. But that was the other thing was like, I was always, I always had Syracuse and Rochester backwards geographically. I always thought Rochester was direct north of me and Syracuse was to the west. And I was wrong. It's the other way around. Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo. Yes. So I actually think that that's pretty cool. So because Shannon's planning a trip up there, like a long weekend to go visit her friend and I'm all for it. I said, yeah, go have fun. It's actually not that bad of a drive. So, hope she enjoys it. All right, so we've talked about, is it Vox Machina? Is that how they're pronouncing yeah. it? Like Ex yeah. Machina? Okay. Like uh, like voice machine because they're voice actors. Right, right. I love that. I freaking love that. <clears throat> All right, so <laughs> we talked about that. We talked about Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> Should we talk about some video games? Yeah, what did you do this week with the with your thing? Yes, and then we're going to draw one, right? Because that's how we're doing this now? Yeah, so you actually p- remembered to grab your I iPad did. this time. I actually did. So, <laughs> Eric drew Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, yes, I better get random.org open. Yes, and uh, we all have fond memories of that game if you've played it. It is... Widely considered to be one of the greatest video games ever made, not just for Nintendo or Zelda or even N64. It's up there on an all-time great list, and it's hard to argue against that because it is a very, very good game. It's very well done, very well balanced, and it created a lot of industry standards, right? Like lock-on combat became a thing. The auto-jump feature became a thing. Because Link can't jump on his own. So you got to get him in that right little gap there. And while the graphics still look, ha- you know, they, they look like a product of their time now, the game still looks pretty damn good. Eric, what were your b- favorite memories of playing Ocarina of Time? Um, I don't know if I would consider them favorite memories or horror memories because sometimes the water temple was just obnoxious. 
But I think uh, getting the big-ass sword from the Gorgons was great. And um, getting up on a getting the- a little horse running around. What about the first time you encounter the Redeads and you almost have a heart attack? Oh, yeah, that too. Just like, when did I pick up Silent Hill? What the fuck? Good old Legend of Zelda. Uh, Day 24 would have been the next game. And I rolled Pokemon Red and Blue. A.K.A. Gen 1 Pokemon. Oh, jeez. Yes. And I'm actually hearing some really good stuff about Legends Arceus. Like, for someone like me who's become a bit disenchanted with the standard Pokemon formula and how much different stuff there is, too many different ways to evolve them, too many different types to collect. You know, now there's there's three different versions of Meowth out there. And somebody's like, no, if you wanna if you want a game that stays true to the, the roots but changes up the formula in a good way, check this out. So I think I'm gonna pick that up this week and give it a try. So I have a day off in the middle of the week. I'm I'm also pretty burnt out on Pokemon. I say that, but I always get the new Pokemon game every time it releases. Yeah, I know. I haven't touched Sword in like a couple of weeks. So I did I did uh Pokemon Red and Blue, which I have very fond memories of. Um, I still remember my team I beat the Elite Four with. I did it with Mew and Mewtwo and Articuno as my legendaries. But I also had a Dragonite, a Charizard, and a Raichu. And I still have a special place in my heart for Charizard, Dragonite, Raichu, Articuno, and of course Mew. Yes, Mewtwo is cool, but Mewtwo's like the one everybody goes with. And I only ended up using him after the fact because it was Mewtwo, and of course I was going to. But uh, other highlights Venusaur and Blastoise, of course, deserve shout outs. Any Evolution plus Eevee. And I personally am a big fan of Gengar. When it comes to those Gen 1-ers, those are some of my faves. I do like Gengar. I just wish he didn't have that poison typing. That was that was so shitty, because the whole reason Ghosts existed was to be a disadvantage to Psychics, but then they made them all, in Gen 1, they also made them poison, which Psychic can beat, so it canceled out, and there was no point. They fixed that in Gen 2, and they gave us Mystery Vus, because Mystery Vus was just a straight-up ghost. But then they were also like, Psychics are overpowered, here's Dark-type, that can take down Psychics too. Well, son of a bitch! Where were you on Gen 1 with that one? Uh, Day 25's game was Resident Evil 2. Based on... Other other Resident Evils? Possibly. There might be a few more on the list. But when I was doing multiple games for multiple franchises, I would roll to see, or I would research what the more popular titles in those franchises were. And Resident Evil 2, while not being the top in the franchise, it was high enough on the list to make the cut for what I was looking for. 
Thoughts on Resident Evil 2? Um, I like it more than Resident Evil 1. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Is it actually unpopular? I thought that was a common a common opinion because it fixes a lot of what people consider issues with the first Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that statement. But there was a lot of diehard people that were just like, no, Resident Evil 1 is like the best. Because <laughs> a lot of the... A lot of the fixes that they did for me in Resident Evil 2 was I couldn't get used to the movement uh, on the original controls. Right? So when they introduced 2, the enemies were placed further away so you had time to adjust. I know that's so like such a shitty thing. But like... When did the first one come out? Was it back when we didn't have DualShocks yet? Because yeah. remember, early PS1 had a D-pad. And yeah. no sticks. I think they made it compatible with the sticks, but it's still, like... I think it was still D-pad. It was fucking terrible. So, so imagine trying to play that game with D-pad. I think maybe, maybe that's why I like 2 better, is because by the time 2 came out... They actually did have like uh, analog sticks. Yeah, so you had them, and they knew how to use them at that by yeah. that point. All right. So my question, not being a, a Resident Evil person, uh, I was told that two was the one where they start you off next to a zombie, and you have to quickly figure out the controls and kill it. Depending on who you picked, this is the one where you got to pick. Uh, well, I guess you all of them you could, but. If you picked, um, fuck, where are the two names? Claire and, uh... Is it still Claire and Redfield or something like that? Claire Redfield. Dion? And the other person is, uh... I think it was Dion or something like that. Leon Kennedy. Leon Kennedy or or Claire Redfield. Yeah. And it's Leon's like first week at the place to, at the at the police department. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Also in Detroit. No, I'm just fucking no, up. I'm just fucking <laughs> <with it. laughs> is that where Raccoon City is? No. Or is that Silent Hill? Raccoon City is kind of like a um, Pittsburgh-ish, where there's like a big river around it, when there's just a whole bunch of um. Silent Hill is in Detroit, isn't Things it? Are of course. <laughs> so, like, the only way to get there is, like, over um, bridges and stuff. It's like an isolated city. And then go to Mom's Spaghetti? Obviously. So, I always... I get a kick out of whenever, like, a famous person acknowledges me on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I was like... I thought I saw a thing about that the other day, and it was you. <laughs> yeah. And I get a kick out of it because... The, the thing that they're acknowledging is me backing them up from a troll. So, uh, Paige is looking for recommendations of whether or not she should go to Mom's Spaghetti because she loves M&M. And she's asking what the vegan options are. So, of course, some asshole replies to her with a picture of a steak sizzling and goes, Mmm, steak. But spells it S-T-A-K-E, which I immediately had to call him out on. So I'm like, you spelled steak wrong with a little laughing emoji. And, of course, she immediately liked that because 
you're calling okay. out somebody for being an idiot. Yes, they have vegan rabbit meatballs at the at Mama's Spaghetti. What was the thing that Danhausen liked that was really random? I tweeted something, and you're just like Danhausen liked that. I'm like, oh yeah, he. Pro- I could see him vanity searching himself. So I don't remember. Well, ha- something. Hammerstone. Well, on your Twitter and look for it and look for <laughs> Hammerstone liked my tweet about how he deserves to have a blue check mark already. Because I really don't understand why he doesn't have one. I also don't understand how the blue check mark works. Anyway, uh, day because 20- there's people who clearly have a family member or somebody they pay, and they get the check mark. Yes, pretty much. And it's never them. Day twenty six was Pitfall. Remember yes. Pitfall? Yes. Remember. The classic commercial with young Jack Black. Young Jack Black. I gotta say, though, for an Atari game, the, the graphics actually look like what they're supposed to look like. like you can could, actually tell that it's a crocodile and that that's a... That's a scorpion and, and, that's a, yeah. and that's a cobra. Like Now I they could, might be out of proportions, but you can tell what they are. But I know what they're supposed to be. As opposed to this freaking duck that's supposed to be a dragon. <laughs> Even though Adventure is great, it's a really good game. But like your key is the size is bigger than your player, and there's a duck chasing you, and it's <laughs> yes. But classic, good old good old classic Atari game, and one of those Atari games that we've all played. Like everybody had this game, and they also put in a chiptune version of the Tarzan roar as you. Swing over on a vine, which is great because Atari had like no sound effects, and you and you know what? It was recognizable, and you're like sweet. <clears throat> All right, uh, day twenty seven ended up being Minecraft, which I've never played, but I didn't base this out of games I liked. I based it out of things that are popular or sell well or have big fan bases. Yeah, I've never played it either. Really, yeah, it was either it. The the game all the games that made the list have one out of the three things: high in sales, high in reviews, or have a big fan base backing them up. So, and I know Minecraft is super popular, and that's cool. Minecraft is still super popular, and I don't understand it. (laughs) What I'm actually surprised with are the amount of like, I know that like not everybody's going to be subscribed to my thing, right? And is going to get all these notifications and everything. But what surprises me is which games people react the most to and which games people react the least to. Just as an example, um, Ms. Pac-Man and Final Fantasy VII had the same amount of positive reactions to them. And then, which was actually more than Ocarina of Time, but Resident Evil 2 only had three positive reactions. So, like... Pitfall had it's not six. The best in the franchise. That, I think that's why. Like, if you think about it, this Pac-Man was the best of the franchise. Final Fantasy VII, on oh, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. Probably the most popular in the franchise. No, I don't think you're gonna get hate for that. I think that's the truth. I think it is the most popular in the franchise. See, you said that you didn't say it was the best. That's where you're gonna get heat. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like. 
you're going to have more people defending the best in the franchise, even though the franchise may be crap. We or maybe that particular game might be crap. We need to have Glenn on because Glenn will live and die by the fact that he thinks Final Fantasy VIII is the best. And he knows he's alone in that opinion, but he doesn't care. And he has a good, I, compelling argument for it. I love Final Fantasy VIII. Let me tell you, let me tell you the difference between me playing Final Fantasy VII and me playing Final Fantasy VIII. I can play Final Fantasy VII. I can enjoy the story. I can enjoy the combat mechanics. And, and like everything is fucking great. The villain's great. I don't remember the villain for Final Fantasy VIII, but goddamn, the combat system to me was better. Okay. And then just, like the characters, it just the stories between the characters are better. But I don't remember who the fucking enemy is. I don't remember who the fucking bad guy is. It 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 breaks my head. What do you think of the? The thing where the idea that Squall dies. Squall died at that one spot. And the whole rest of the game is like... He's not actually there. I don't know how I, how I follow that. I thought it was really weird that like... Squall and uh, Renoa, Rania, whatever, might be siblings... I don't know. There was a weird thing there, and I can't remember what it was when everybody was from like the same fucking orphanage and they all knew each other in the past but forgot. And like, what the hell? What does that even mean? I mean, it's Japanese made in the 90s. These could all be true. Yeah. <laughs> they left it up to self uh, interpretation. <laughs> How do you feel about what happened? Don't remember what happens. That's the thing. I know pretty much bit for bit Final Fantasy VII, right? You got the start with the Mako reactors. You got Avalanche. You, you move on. You find uh, the the Turks. Uh, from there, you, you learn more about like what the Mako is for the planet. You go back to Cloud's original hometown. You find out that Cloud's memory is all fucked up, and he's actually remembering stuff from Zack, who's a different person, and they make a spinoff game off of that. They make a game about you know, me? Because <laughs> my memory's fucked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, like, I can tell you the story and lore for Final Fantasy VII all the way to the bitter end, right? Like, you think Sephiroth killed Aerith, but that wasn't Sephiroth. It was just a clone. Because they're all clones. Everybody's a fucking clone. Clone high, baby. And it, 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 it's just wild. But then you, you, you tell me, and I think, and and I I agree that the combat system in 8 is arguably better. And I like the Materia system, but there was something about, like, the way they did combat in 8 was just, it was more fun. But I can't tell you what the fucking story is. It was too convoluted. It was just all over the place. <laughs> but I enjoyed it more. <laughs> all right. And thus concludes Eric's review of Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> but again, the, 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 the game that day was Final Fantasy VII. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
the game, the next, the game, the next day after Minecraft was a game called Celeste, which I had never played and never even heard of, but I put it on the list because, again, it kept coming up as something that was popular and well reviewed. So I figured, why not? It looks I know like, it's, a big, it's been a big deal the last few years. People love it, but I haven't been able. To, I haven't played it myself. It looks like it is a side scroller. And I know our buddy Mike made a T-shirt, and it did very well for him. Good. Well, then let the game be popular. Uh, yesterday's game was Day 29's game, and that was the Simpsons Road Rage. Remember Simpsons Road Rage? Hmm? Remember Simpsons. It was Crazy Taxi with Simpsons characters. But it was fun. And you're like, this canonized what the Springfield just laid out was. And then the next game came out, and it completely changed the layout of the town. And then the Simpsons game came out, and they changed it again. <laughs> so the bottom line is, we don't know how Springfield's laid out. Springfield's laid out the way they need it to be. Exactly. They they take a lot of... Everything besides that the Flanders are to the left of them from camera-facing-wise? Yes. Everything else... Up for debate, <laughs> whatever they need it to be. Flanders, Flanders to the left of me, Brown House to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so that leads us to day thirty. All right, that would be today. how many are remaining? I'm pulling up the list right now. There are. A total of 336 games left on the list. All right, Eric. How many times am I going to push the button? Let's push it four times. That's a one. A two, a three, and a four. How about 154? Oh, good. I like pulling from different spots of the list, too. Um... Too close with a previous franchise. Please re-roll. Oh, how many times, Eric? Let's uh, do a two. One and a two and a 244. Okay, well, that's a bit more down the list. 244. Okay. Today's game is called Shenmue. What? Okay, enjoy that. That game is fucking badass. Do you even have... A, a emulator to play it? A Dreamcast emulator? I mean, Does Dolphin? <laughs> Does I Dolphin got... play it? I don't know. Well, I at one point found an emulator for PlayStation One games that works with you putting it in your disk drive. Ooh. I think it was. I think it was Bleach was the name of the program. You could put a PlayStation One in your computer's disk drive. And this program would play the game. Oh yeah, you needed the uh, to, and it's still true to the to, till today. The PS One is just one of the hardest emulators, not because it takes a lot to run. It's just hard to find that region code or whatever it is to say, "Hey, this PlayStation is set up for this region" or whatever. That's okay, because I am 0% um, 
nostalgic for PlayStation 1. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a handful of games in 64-wise that I'm like, yes, those. Um, but, like, there's, like, zero PS1. <laughs> there's only a handful of PS1 games. It's Symphony like, of the Night, but they released it on pretty much everything. But that's okay because there's you can leave that as is. Like cr- Crash Bandicoot Spyro. Like I know people are nostalgic for that. Final Fantasy Seven. And guess what? They all were remade. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, those are the games that always come up in these in these conversations. Yeah. So what I wanna see is Lunar Solar uh Lunar the Lunar Saga. Let me see if I can find it and link it. So there've been a so we've had we've done thirty games so far. Has your favorite game made the list yet? Because we got three hundred thirty-five to go. Imagine if you're talking about all time, it's going to cover up that. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what your all-time favorite games are individually. So, but I imagine I just think about like the game series I've played the longest in my life. And that I've always, every computer I've always had has, like, the most recent version of that game. We're going to link the, the wiki. And that's what I always go for. I always forget the date. It's uh, Lunar the, Silver Silver Story, or Silver, it's right there. Fuck it. Silver, silver Star, Star Story. Story. That game is fucking amazing, and I wish they would re-release it. This is one of those games where, like, I guess they took everybody's ideas who were, like, working on the fucking game, and they wanted a simple 20-hour story, and what they got was, like, a, a complete anthology. Like, imagine you had to play through every bit of, like, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Like every fucking bit. Okay. Now it's too long. I agree. Now that it's too long. But back then, back then when you lived in Florida and there were storms all over the place, <laughs> and it was just too hot to go out. It all was right. Perfect. All right. You guys ready? Here are the 29 games on PlayStation 1 to score a 90 or higher on Metacritic. You ready? Mm. Okay. Starting with number 29. These are the games that scored a 90. Final Fantasy VIII. Madden NFL 2001. Colin McRae Rally 2.0. WWF Smackdown 2. Know Your Role. Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> Siphon Filter. Oh. Ape Escape. Those are all the games that got 90. Moving up the list. These games got a 91 on Metacritic. Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. The original Resident Evil. And Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. The original Tomb Raider. Spyro Year of the Dragon. And Colony Wars. Okay. 15 games left. The following games got a 92. 
Parappa the Rapper, Medal of Honor, Final Fantasy VII, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and Vagrant Story. You might not remember this, but I remember when uh, I made a Parappa the Rapper reference and we learned that Glenn had never even heard of the game. (laughs) I remember that commercial was all over TV when it came out. And I was like, God has no, it never even heard of Parappa. Parappa the Rapper. All right. Uh, Coming in at number 10 with a Metascore of 93 is Wipeout XL. At number 9, also with a 93 score, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. At number 8 is Street Fighter Alpha 3. At number 7 is Gran Turismo 2. Again, score of 93 for those two titles. At number 6, with a meta score of 94, is the original Metal Gear Solid. At number 5 is Chrono Cross. With again, with a 94. <clears throat> Final Fantasy IX comes in at number 4 with a meta score of 94. At number 3, the original Gran Turismo with a meta score of 96. At number 2 is Tekken 3 with a meta score of 96. And in the number 1 spot with a meta score of 98, Tony Final Ho- Fantasy 7. Oh. Oh, I already said that. <laughs> Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Skater 2. 2. You got it. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. There you have it. That's fucking wild. And you notice that most of those games have been at least upgraded graphics-wise? Yes. If not completely redone? Honorable mentions. Wipeout 3, Final Fantasy Chronicles, Tekken 2, Resident Evil 2, Einhander, Grandia, NHL 2001, Crash Team Racing, R4 Ridge Racer Type 4, Madden NFL 2002, and Oddworld Abe's Exodus. There you go. Those are considered Those are considered the top PS1 games of all time. Very, very interesting, wouldn't you say? Interesting. Interesting. Well, it all—it really all just goes to that. I, I mean, a lot of it is personal preference, of course, but these are the the top games in that. <clears throat> uh, let's see what Metacritic considers the greatest Dreamcast video games of all time. Uh, we'll go for a 90 and above score again. This There will be 16 games on this list. Grand- Crazy task. Number one. <laughs> Grandia 2. NFL 2K2. Unreal Tournament. We're, wor- we're working uh, back to front, by the way. Of course. Texas, or, sorry, Tennis 2K2. Texas Mo- 2K2. Yes. Love it. <laughs> that would be awful. And probably the no, power- it was Florida Man 2K2. Oh, I'd play the fuck out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Virtua Tennis. We're ni- that's, that got a 92. NBA 2K2 and NBA 2K1. Yeah, it was a sports and um, yeah. uh, fighting game console. like Test Drive Le Mans. 
Skies of Arcadia, Quake 3 Arena. All right, top five are Resident Evil Code Veronica, Jet Grind Radio, NFL 2K1, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 at number two, and at number one, Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur. Okay. Now, I never played anything on the Dreamcast. Did I? I had a cousin at cousin's place I was at, and I was looking forward to it, and it wasn't working correctly. So I never got to do, even use it. Ah. Now, of course, if we do the N64, and you want your 90 and above, there's 16 games that make this list. And they are Beetle Adventure Racing. Okay. Banjo-Tooie, Blast Corpse, Donkey Kong 64, Rayman 2 The Great Escape, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Wave Race 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Paper Mario, and in the top five you have... To the shock of no one, Super Mario 64, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, GoldenEye 007, Perfect Dark, and you already know what's at number one, because we've already talked about it, with a Metascore of 99, Ocarina of Time. I'm surprised that there was less first party on that list than you expected. Yeah? I mean, the first party were the top ones, but... Um... I figured if it was 16 of them, like 10 of them would be from Nintendo themselves. And it was that was not true. Well, the top 10 all-time games on Metacritic in general are Grand Theft Auto 5 uh, is actually on here twice. It's separate for PlayStation 3 and Xbox One. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, Mario Galaxy 2, and the original Mario Galaxy. Grand Theft Auto 4 is on here twice. OG Soul Calibur, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, and Ocarina of Time are all considered to be, according to Metacritic scores, the greatest games ever made. So. It's unsurprising if you actually look at what the Metacritic scores are, because it's Mario, Zelda, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, and then there's a Disco, Elysium, Final Cut. Of course, I, we mentioned Tony Hawk. He's got Pro Skater 3 on here as well. There's Perfect Dark, Metroid Prime, Halo, Half-Life 2, Bioshock, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, Resident Evil 4, The Orange Box, Arkham City, Tekken 3, Mass Effect 2. These are all these top games on Metacritic that scored... The greatest scores of all time. Which is pretty, pretty cool. Now that's meta score. If you were to do a user score, the top game of all time is called Super Hydora. Super Hydora? Yes. A PC game that's released that. in 2017. This is by user score only. That is your top game. So, what I want to do, 
I want to make it so it's the bottom all time. Can I filter that? <laughs> What's the worst game of all time? Probably E.T. Uh, you'd be surprised. E.T. is not always the one that's at the very bottom of the list on an all-time an all-time list. So let's see. These are... Are we doing... you? This is by user score again? No, it's all-time and all-platforms metascore. Okay, I'm on the final page, I think. Yes. <clears throat> all right. Let's do everything that got a 20 or lower. So, Infestation Survivor Stories, The War Z, a PC game from 2012. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry, Box Office Bust, that's got a, has a 20. Yeah, I remember the, that Infestation game, it was uh, because DayZ was so popular, and they literally just completely ripped it off, and they got sued <laughs> for it. Yep. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry, I've always heard bad things about. Sounded like it would be something that would be cool, but clearly was not. <clears throat> uh, also, all the way down here is Deal or No Deal for the Nintendo DS. See, the, that's the thing about that game. Like, it's a, in the video games uh, realm. Like, why ever, like, the game has no point. Yeah, it should just be something simple that you play on, like, your web browser. Because there's, like, no point to, the, to a video game version of it at all, because you're just going to... Well, I'll just keep my case and just go because it's not like I'm going to make any actual money. So let's just see if I chose the correct case, and we'll just go through all the motions. <laughs> you know, uh, Alone in the Dark Illumination that has a 19. That was a PC game in 2015. <clears throat> uh, Ride to Hell Retribution for the Xbox 360. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's as a 19. Uh, this is for the Wii. It's called S Pogs Racing. It's a WiiWare game. Never even heard of it. It's got a 19. A Double Dragon 2 Wander of the Dragons came out for Xbox 360. It was a remake of the original Double Dragon 2 game and only got a 17. So they clearly did not like that one. Uh, Vroom in the Night Sky for the Nintendo Switch from 2017. It was must have been an early title because it's April 5th, 2017. Has a 17. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry box office bust for PlayStation 3 somehow got a lower score than its PC counterpart. And then the bottom three games. Again, this is just Metacritic, so there's no E.T. or Superman on here. But there's a game called Yaris that came out for Xbox 360. That, yeah, that was just... It was an Xbox arcade game. It was free. Yeah, you just well, drove a Yaris down a track. Yeah, well, people hated it. That Ride to Hell Retribution for the PC got even lower. But the one that scored the worst, by far, with an 11, was Family Party 30 Great Games Obstacle Arcade for the Wii U. That has an 11. Notice a lot of them are shovelware on... The last few Nintendo consoles because they're, yes. they're the shovelware co consoles. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what else is near the bottom of the list here. Uh, Afro Samurai Two: Revenge of Kuma Volume One. What's that one <clears throat> truck racing game? Big rigs you... over the road racing. Yes, that's it. You knew I knew it exactly what you were going for because we're talking about shitty games where the physics don't work. 
Where you literally, like, you're supposed to go over a bridge, and you just go under the bridge. Yep, and you... you go through the route, into the bridge. And if you go in reverse, you go, like, a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, it just keeps going faster and faster exponentially. And if you can literally drive off the map and leave it in the distance. The game is so broken. Uh, other other popular games down here include Drake of the 99 Dragons. I've heard so much about this game. It's a it's an infamous hated game. Uh, Fast and Furious Showdown for Xbox 360. Rambo the video game. Charlie's Angels for the Nintendo GameCube. Homie Rollers for the Nintendo DS. Uh, Flat Out 3 Chaos and Destruction. Fighter Within for Xbox One. Pulse Racer for the original Xbox. Legends of Wrestling 2 for the Game Boy Advance. Game Game Boy Advance. (laughs) Game Party Champions for the Wii U. Postal 3 for PC. Yeah, those are those are your worst games of all time, according to the Metacritic. So, have you played any of those? Because I know I haven't. I, mean, I, I played Yaris because it was free. See, I didn't even play that. <clears throat> I mean, that's cool. It was free. I'm I'm all for I'm all for free. Free free achievements, bro. All right, now I'm curious because I'm a Nintendo Switch guy now. What are the top Nintendo Switch games? There are, damn, 22 games with a 90 or higher. All right, let's see how many are first party. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Bayonetta plus Bayonetta 2. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. I didn't know they released both of those together. Yeah, that's the only way to get them both, I think. Uh, I would actually play that. Uh, Hollow Knight is one of them. Okay. That's not first that's, party. That's also not only Switch. Yes. Bastion. Also not only Switch. Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition. Also not only. So we haven't had any first party, but we also have had ones that are multiple. <clears throat> Animal Crossing New Horizons. There we go. <laughs> you wanted something first party, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Steam World Heist Ultimate Edition. Sonic Mania Plus. Dude, Sonic practically is first party Nintendo at this point. Uh, Dragon Quest 11. He is for everything that isn't a mainline Sonic game. Yeah. Dragon Quest 11S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Can you make a longer title, please? How about Inside? That's a short title. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Bayonetta 2. Celeste. We just talked about that. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Indeed. Undertale. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Divinity Original Sin 2 Definitive Edition. And now for your top five. Hades. Top five, top five, top five. five. Hades is number five. Tetris Effect Connected is number four. 
the house of Fata Morgana dreams of the Revenants edition. Is the fuck is three. that? I'm guessing uh, that's heavily like all of Japan played it. <laughs> a gothic suspense, a gothic suspense tale in a cursed mansion. It's a full-length visual novel spanning nearly a millennium that right. deals in tragedy. Everyone in Japan nature. played it. <laughs> and then the top two games are Super Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. So not as many first persons as you would expect, or not not first person, not first party. Very interesting. Very interesting. <clears throat> well, guys, we got uh, quite a bit going on in the world here. I'd like to give a shout out to everybody on CKCC Radio who has been providing brand new and exciting content to listen to. And I want to talk to you guys about all the new stuff you can listen to this week, including the latest three episodes of the I Loved Mondays podcast starring our own Dan Peck. As he reviews oh, yeah. each week of the Monday Night War, reviewing the episode of Nitro and Raw back to back, and which one he preferred. And I'm noticing a trend right now, Dan. Right now, you're heavily in favor of Nitro. Yeah, I think I've picked Raw once so far. Overall, I, I'm looking um, forward. I have a feeling you're going to pick Nitro a lot until you get to 1998. <laughs> oh. Then I have a feeling that's going to change. Because I've yet, I I could already see them starting to change stuff up because they've already one of them put on a cage match and the other one put on a cage match the next week. Yes, uh, the Race Nerd Podcast released its latest episode. I had to apologize to Matt Hardman. The episode ended up in my spam filter and the and ended up going up later than planned. So I did apologize to Matt for that one. And I did actually put a note on the episode. It was supposed to air on the seventh. It actually aired on the twenty fourth. It's great in 2001. It's his basically his review episode of how the 2021 team went. Yes, I did apologize for that one. Uh, also, new Real Paranormal Talk where Jeff pays tribute to Meatloaf by reviewing the Ghost Hunters episode that he appeared on back in 2009. And the latest reviews by Jeff is out. This time he reviews The Mask. The 1994 Jim Carrey hit movie. Remember the mask? I do. Remember. That was about 94 where he put out Ace Ventura, the mask, Dumb and Dumber. And it was like, holy crap. Jim Carrey was the man of the year. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you liked Jim Carrey. Fine, one job. He had three. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, because out of nowhere he became the like the t- one of the guys that got ten million dollars a movie. Yes, Th- that was one of those uh, those actor pickups, right? <clears throat> yeah, he just out of nowhere he just like, busted out three classics one year. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call them all classics. In the scheme of Jim Carrey, they're classics. But I don't know how well some of these movies have aged. I think that'll be something interesting we should go back on. We should we should do a segment on the show where we we each watch a movie that we kind of grew up on and see if it how it aged. I think that would be fun.
And I want to give a shout-out to our awesome partners. We have the Blake and Sal Show, the United We Fan podcast with Mark and Brian, who just released a light episode this week. Our friend Tom Dickinson over on the Watch Me Cook channel on YouTube, putting out all kinds of fun cooking content. And our newest partners, Anthony Blackwell and the IWEP Network. Check out all of their shows. There's something for everybody on their channel. Shout-out to our awesome sponsor, Adrian Cotton host of the Motivational Moves podcast with Motivational Vacations. You can go through him to book your next trip. You mentioned CKCC Radio, and you will get a three-day, two-night getaway just for mentioning us. I don't know how long this is going to last, so take advantage of this while you can. While he has the vouchers to give out, take advantage of it. Get a free vacation just because you listen to CKCC Radio. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Just, I mean, Eric, I know you need a vacation, bud. I do. You need one bad. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Fortunately, I got a guy for that. So, Unfortunately, the things that, that he needs a vacation from would come with him on said vacation. More than likely. That's how yeah. it works. <laughs> it wouldn't be a vacation then. <laughs> I recommend taking solo vacations. I've done a couple now, and... I think they're they're good mentally. Shannon just did one, and I thought it was really good for her too. Like, yeah, because like I'm coming up on 20 year anniversaries of stuff, and a lot of people are like, "Kids are no kids," and the kids, people with parents, are like, "Please, no kids," so I can get away from them for a week. That is and act- have fun with my college friends. That is actually something that we are planning for one of our events that we are planning is we're going to make it no kids and. I only can think of, like, maybe two people that would be on the guest list that would have an issue with that. Everybody else is like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you, you need a vacation from the people that you love the most. It's just, I think it's, I don't I don't see anything wrong with taking a solo vacation, honestly. Like, sometimes it's exactly what you need, so... Take your vacation with our friend Adrian Cotton. Uh, We have some stuff to announce, but we're going to save that for next week. And what I'm going to do is close out this week's show. We're we're mixing up the formula here by reading a couple of comments from last week's show, mostly from our friend Ellis. What's the next movie in your list? Oh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is the, Mm. the 1984 worldwide highest grosser. So that'll be next. And then I don't remember what 1985's is, so we'll look that up. So Ellis did say that he pops for his own comments. That's great. Good for you, buddy. Uh, Ellis and Jeff had an exchange over Sex in the City equaling boobs. Jeff responded with old boobs on no one attractive, hard pass. Ellis goes, shut your mouth. Kristen Davis looks amazing. Yeah, so that would be the one. Uh, Ellis also enjoys Gilmore Girls. His favorite Harry Potter movie and book is Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, at one point he said, no, Dan, fuck you. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> uh, an hour worth of material. You have to be more specific. <laughs> uh, Jeff, Jeff said his safe word is meatloaf because I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Uh, that's he should have saved that. 
Uh, Jeff had three three of them when we were talking about the celebrity deaths that would affect us. Brian May, Kevin Smith, and Vince McMahon. He said, just leave him alone because on those days he will not be okay. Of course, Ellis, or not Ellis, uh, Brian mentioned wanting to play D&D again. Ellis mentioned fucking Paladin for the win. And he also mentioned he was doing a homebrew campaign. Well, he should have paid attention to what we were talking about. Maybe he could have joined. Uh, He said, I need to get good at character creation. No, Ellis, fuck you. Uh, Let's see. He said, uh, looking for more other shit. Yes. Let me enjoy what I fucking want to enjoy. If it makes me happy and I'm entertained by it, that's all that matters. Yes. And then uh, our our friend Chris Wright sent me that meme because I've shared that meme a bunch of times where it's like liking stuff isn't supposed to be isn't supposed to be difficult. And I was like, you are correct. I'm allowed to like Harry Potter stuff without knowing every character's backstory. It's how it's supposed to be. I get excited when people end up liking stuff. Like, when I find out that somebody's never seen Star Wars before, I get excited for them because I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Because I get to re-experience reliving my first experience watching Star Wars through them. Other people are like, I can't believe you've never seen the popular thing. And meanwhile, I'm just like, dude, this is exciting. I want to hear about it. Tell me what you liked. Who, who, what characters did you like? What story What story arcs did you like? Did you think the special effects were cool for their time? Like, I get excited about stuff like that. Uh, Ellis said Mel Brooks should be protected at all costs. <laughs> uh, Jeff wants to know what happened to our review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I said, we can't review something if everybody hasn't seen it yet. And then, of course, Ellis goes, it doesn't seem like Chris is excited about the legend of Vox Machina. Because I'm not a critical role guy. I literally said that on that episode, Ellis. (laughs) It's not for me. It was for them. That's why they reviewed it. Ellis, pay attention, dude. Pay attention. Ellis telling me to get good. You get good. All right. Anybody got anything else for this week? Or should we wrap it Uh, up? Call it call it a day and uh, catch everybody next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm hot. It's dinner time, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your week. Be safe. Be good. January is over. February is right around the corner. Maybe we'll do something with a Valentine's Day theme by ripping on. Crappy love stories or something? I have no idea. No idea. Uh, But yeah, let us know what all that fun stuff that you want to see and hear and anything you want us to talk about or whatevs. And if you guys want to join the D&D campaign, you have to let us know now because we're planning on starting our very first game through, game playthrough. This upcoming Saturday. There's a chance that by the time you listen to next week's Nerd Table, we'll have already played through once. So you have to, have to, have to say something now. Yeah, the way things have been going, we've been recording on Sunday a lot lately, so. Yes. Say something now, or you will not be playing with us. Okie duck, okie duck. Okie duck. 
Well, have a good week, everybody. Bye. See ya. This has been another episode of The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at ckccradio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.